Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, fresh back from the Windy City. News and notes on that. Doug getting ready for a big event coming up next weekend. Doug has gone fishing today, not here, but Jessica Wallace is, of course, triblive.com. She is an author. She is a uh, really a world-renowned gardening expert speaker. She has traveled the country and the world talking about it, and she's going to spend the next 54 minutes with us talking organic gardening on the Organic Gardening Hour. Of course, it is Jessica Wallace, and you can join us at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. Or you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. We'll take the 10th caller right now to win a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles, 412-922-1020. So, Jessica, how was Chicago? And good morning. Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Yes, I was in the Windy City um, all week long for a double conference. The first was for the Association of Garden Communicators, which is our annual conference. Um, people that do what I do, what Doug does all around um, the country and the world, actually. Uh, And it was also in conjunction with the Independent Garden Center show, the IGC show, which is a giant trade show for the Sorgals and Han nurseries of the world where they go and they get to see a showcase of all of the great products that companies produce that they can then sell at their their garden center. So it was a really terrific event. We got to hear a great keynote speech by uh, Damon Johns from the Shark Tank, who's one of the sharks on the Shark Tank. And it was incredibly inspiring. We got to hear about his life story and Um, his inspirational advice for small business owners and for for folks that do what I do. Uh, And it was really terrific. But one of my favorite things to do there was uh, part of one of the after-day tours. And we really got to see um, what the Chicago Botanic Garden is doing with their um, divisions that deal with hunger in Chicago. And we got to see some amazing rooftop gardens, community gardens, an aquaponics facility, which is where they raise fish and plants together, um, and how they're feeding the hungry there, and um, and of course how much more they have to do with all of that, and it was really inspiring. And the um, there's a Peterson Garden Project which creates what they call pop-up gardens, which are temporary vegetable gardens that are put on abandoned lots, or um, they had one on the uh, in the side yard of the Field Museum. And instead of planting flowers there, they were planting vegetables. And they put, built these raids, raised beds, and they're only meant to be there for a year or two to inspire people. And then all the food that's grown in them is then donated to uh, their food banks and their and their community um, food uh, organizations and distribu- distributors and things like that. So it was really, really amazing. And, of course, all of that led me back to thinking about our own community food bank here in Pittsburgh and wanting to issue everybody a, a reminder that next Sunday, the 26th, is Tomato and Garlic Day at Phipps. And while tomatoes and garlic is fabulous, and we want to celebrate them, and, and Doug is going to be there cooking his uh, Ultimate Garlic Lover's Tomato Soup, the real mission behind that day at Phipps is to collect food for the food bank. And so anybody that brings fresh produce from their garden to the food bank or makes a donation, you can bring your checkbook, make a donation to the food bank there. 
you'll get into the conservatory for free. Now, the, the event out on the lawn is free with the vendors and folks selling uh, Enon Valley garlic is going to be there to sell garlic to plant. But if you want to get into the conservatory, or even if you don't and you just want to bring your extra produce for the food bank, next Sunday from 11 to 4 um, is when that's uh, Tomato and Garlic Day is happening. A couple of things. First off, we've never actually directed you know a particular topic, but I, you just said something that made me really wonder. If you're in the audience right now and you're listening to what she was talking about, is there one thing that you grow in your garden that you just grow because your family needs it, you love it, it's your favorite, it's something that you don't really feel as though you can duplicate by going anywhere else? I don't know, vegetable of some sort, something that you grow specifically for your family or maybe that you grow because you want to can it and you want to enjoy it in the wintertime. And that brings me to this question. Do you think we're getting a point in this world that we've gotten away from organics? And and obviously we had the the recent news of what happened with Roundup and all of the stuff that you and Doug have been preaching for years. That really to have a food chain that is going to sustain and to help people who may be falling on hard times and don't have that personal wealth to go out and buy the food that they really need to sustain their family, that more and more people are going to or will have to as a country and as a human race start growing food again, getting back to the basics and why we were growing food centuries and generations ago more than just a hobby obviously but a life-sustaining food chain you think that's going to have to happen you think i'm hoping <laughs> i mean indiv- individuals that saying that, individuals I'm... not agriculture right. not huge oh companies. no 100 percent. i mean i wish it's something that we all did now i mean i i think about the neighborhood where i grew up in in, in rural pennsylvania and it was a just a small you know, middle-class neighborhood, and every almost every single family there had a vegetable garden out back and a raspberry patch, maybe a couple of blueberry bushes, fruit trees. You know, a lot of people had just, even if it was just a few tomato plants, so that you were um, doing something to help provide for your family aside from running to the grocery store. And I think it's becoming increasingly important um, to learn and to teach, to learn yourself and also then to share and, and that knowledge with others on how to grow in an urban environment because gardening and growing food in the city is different than growing it in suburbia or in a rural area. And so I think that's a whole additional ball game that we need to get ourselves into. And, you know, every, every what was that saying every uh, chicken, chicken for every yard or something like that, right? That it was not just the vegetable garden, but everybody would keep a couple of chickens too, right? So you had eggs or, or meat birds. Only because I'm older than you, a lot older, a chicken in every pot. A chicken in every yeah, pot. Right. But then it became a chicken in every yard, right? right. Where they were wanting everybody. But here's everybody the thing, to, and right. I'm just realizing this now, and I should have learned this years ago, talking to Sonny Janoski all those years, but everything served a purpose. I mean, the chickens for the eggs and the, the, the beef for the cattle, the pork with the pigs, the strawberry patches, the the fruit, fruits that you have from the tree and obviously in the garden, the vegetables. It was it was not because you wanted that beautiful bounty of color and that rich feeling of owning a farm, but you needed all these things, life-sustaining foods to keep your family growing and thriving and, more importantly, breathing. Right, exactly. And it's and it's that what, what I loved, and I know that we're doing it in Pittsburgh, certainly as well, but what I loved about the Chicago model was that they were taking these pop-up gardens to the communities that really needed it. it. They didn't expect folks who lived in those communities to come to them to learn about how to garden. They took the garden to that community and they set it up and they let they le- they let each um, they let anybody who wants to have a raised bed in that garden, any community member, to do it. And then they don't just give them the the raised bed to do it. Then they teach them. 
how to grow this food. If they've never put their hands in the soil before, they've never planted a seed, you can't expect somebody to grow a garden that will help feed their family unless you also give them that knowledge. There was also an incredible emotional refugee garden there. They have a lot of refugees from places like Myanmar and, um, and, and Tibet and Laos and it was incredible um, to see, and there were families there that were growing and, and these vegetables that I had had even never seen some of these vegetables before. Um, and it was really neat to hear their stories and see how they had helped build that refugee community based on this the vegetable. All right, listen, uh, if you want to talk about that one particular item that you grow, it's a family favorite, you have it, you love it, and you just can't find it anywhere else, or any gardening question, obviously, is up for grabs right now with Jessica. So give us a call, 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020, bank instant access, kdkradio.com, or you can text us on the Red Automotive Line, best deal in town. Congratulations to Gene from Shaler, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. Good morning. All right, listen, Talking Trees, Davy Tree, back next week. You know, we haven't really, you and I, now we have a little added time together because we await phone calls and also Doug gone fishing this week, back with you next week. What about tree maintenance this time of year? You know, moving into the fall planting season, and we talk about pruning certain times on the calendar that you can do that. Let's dedicate a little bit of this segment to what Davy talks about every other week. So all of the trees in the yard, the ones that need a little bit more attention, you know, your maple, your Japanese maple, your cherry, your weeping willow, your peach trees, all of that stuff, fig trees, just kind of give me a, a lay of the land. Yeah, well, I mean, this time of year really is not prime pruning time for most trees. It, when is it? Well, it depends on the species of tree, right? So that's one of the things we love to talk to Davey about because those arborists, I mean, that's what they spend their lives studying, really, right? When's the best pruning time? What are the best pruning practices for each specific species? Right. So it's really hard to say this is the best pruning time. And there is no best for every single tree. But right now, your main goal is it's a terrific planting time over the next few weeks, probably from now until the middle of October is the best time to plant trees. Everybody thinks it's in the spring, but it's actually in the autumn for trees and shrubs because we're about to have two cool seasons, meaning the fall and then the spring, to really help the newly planted trees and shrubs get their roots established. And hopefully, although we've had great rainfall this all summer long, but hopefully then you often have an increased amount of rainfall in the fall, which will help those plants become established. And then you're less beholden to going out and making sure that those trees are watered properly with the hose. So it's a great time for that. It's a great time in the uh, in the fruit growing world if you have apple trees or peach trees and you've harvested your fruit, but yet there's still some maybe rotten ones clinging to the branches, ones that have fallen onto the ground that are getting rotten. It's a good time of year to collect those because um, if they're harboring any spores for fungal diseases, those can easily overwinter in the backyard or in your orchard if you have a lot of trees. So you want to make sure that you collect those up and dispose of them properly. They shouldn't go on the compost pile. Um, I actually like to burn or bury them just to keep those spores out of the area because they'll, they'll it'll automatically infest the tree next year. So it's real important to have that good sort of D sanitary does the practice. not ripen or badly bruised fruit on the tree does that actually hurt the tree unless you remove that stuff should you yeah yeah and that's what i'm talking about so it actually there's actually a name for it they call them mummies so when they sort of shrivel up and rot on the tree but they're still clinging on there that again that can be sort of a uh, a treasure trove so to speak of fungal spores that can then spread for the next year so it is an important maintenance thing to do we always talk about soil testing do you should you test your soil before you plant trees 
trees are not quite as uh, as important, especially if you're going to be planting a native tree, uh, you know, something native to our region. And this is primarily because the root systems are far more extensive than something like a vegetable or an annual flower, where it's really dependent on a small zone of soil to access the nutrients, whereas a tree can really have roots that are very widespreading. They have greater access to nutrients. Um, so a soil test isn't quite as important, unless, of course, you think there might have been some sort of contaminant in that soil, like like lead, or if you lived in an industrial you know, site and you want to grow a fruit tree, that might be something that you would want to test the soil for. But nutrients, trees can really access a broad diversity of nutrients you on know, their own. When we think Davy, we think of pruning, removing all of the stuff that they do um, for safety reasons, power lines, I mean, stormy weather, all of that working for residential people that just have all these different needs. But what about, who do you go for as far as, okay, this is tree planting for dummies, and uh, this is my first yard, and this is my first experience, but I want to do the Paul Bunyan thing. I want to go out and buy the tree. What trees are the best for first-timers? And as I go, what are some of the trees I could grow with? And what are some of the trees that I want to stay away with? Because the success rate is difficult unless you know what you're doing. And also, it can be a little expensive. We talked, you know, about the uh, Japanese maple and dogwoods and things of that nature. So kind of give me an idea on who do I go to to get advice on what's the best trees to get started with for a first-time homeowner or someone that's actually doing this for the first time. Well, actually, I think our our local nurseries are the best resource. And this this is another point that I always like to make when I suggest that people go to a local independent garden center is because these guys will only buy in stock that is going to do well in our region and in our climate because they don't want that, you know, a lot of them will guarantee their nursery stock, right? So if it doesn't succeed and you've taken care of it properly, they actually hold a guarantee on that, usually one or two years, depending on the nursery. So they they want to only carry plant material that you're going to succeed with uh, because it also it reflects poorly on them, right, when that, right. when that plant dies. So versus going to a big box store where they are more than likely getting plant material in often from the south, and it's many times plant material, I shouldn't say many times, but sometimes plant material that will not thrive in Pennsylvania. Either it's marginally hardy here or it doesn't like our soil. You're clay not going to grow a palm tree in western Pennsylvania. Right, but even more than and but obviously, a palm, palm tree is kind of an obvious one, right? right? We all know that a palm tree is not going to live here. But even there's just certain species of, of, of oaks and of maples that just... They just don't do as well here as others do. And so that's why going to a local nursery and speaking with their, um, you know, their nursery stock manager is going to do you a big, big favor because you're starting off with the right plant material. You can plant it correctly. You can care for it correctly. But if it's not something that's meant to grow in our region, you're going to have limited success with it. So it's really important to start off on a good foot. And there's just obviously hundreds and hundreds of thousands of trees that you can select for your backyard. So doing your research is really important. What are your growing conditions? Is it full sun, full shade? How close to the house is it? Yeah. Um, how tall is that tree going to eventually get? Because it's real cute when it's in that three-gallon pot. But if that tree is going to grow 60 feet tall and you're going to plant it 10 feet from your house, that's not a smart idea. So trees are investments. They're long-term investments. You need to think and it's not just trees either. It's shrubs, right? Because they're going to be there for a very long time. So you, you need to consider and think really carefully before you make that purchase and do that installation. Well, it kind of reminds me of all of those homes that were built, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Ivy looked really nice in the beginning. And then the next thing you know, what happened to the brick? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, and then once it gets to that point, you know, removing it can be very difficult. So 
the thing, the, the advent of having these nursery supervisors and shows like this and you and Doug doing what you do with the Trib, it, it's helped people really kind of navigate those early days of being a homeowner, right? Yeah, and, and just think a little more carefully. Although I do think sort of the new generation of homeowners that are that are making these purchases come at all of that from kind of a different place than you or, or I did. Mm-hmm. They're coming at it from a very eco-conscious place, and right. many of them are seeking out native plants. Um, many of them are seeking out plants with a purpose. So in other words, and this is something I think we all should adopt, even longtime gardeners, instead of choosing a plant at the garden center simply because, you, you know, it's going to look great with your patio furniture or, you know, you love that it blooms in June or, you know, that, that, that the purpose is basically to satisfy you and something you like about it. We're choosing plants because it also serves a purpose in that it helps somebody else. It helps pollinators or wildlife in some way. Um, and it sort of is a dual purpose plant. All right, getting some right automotive text messages. You can text us best deal in town, 866-391-1020. We've got phone lines that are open. I can't believe it. There's like Well, they, they were engaged in our deep thought. Everybody, That's why. Yeah, right. So you need to give us a call, 866-391-1020, or reach us dollar bank instant access, kdkradio.com. Tomatoes are a good thing, especially when they're in a Heinz ketchup bottle. Next hour, it's the Heinz ketchup recipe show edition of the Coons Cooking Hour on KDK Radio. Good morning. Okay, you pick it. We could either go Dollar Bank Instant Access, Jessica, or we could go Right Automotive, the best deal in town. Let's do some Dollar Bank Instant Accesses, and then we'll do the Right Automotive. I'm just glad some folks are calling and texting because I was a little worried there this morning. But he was sleeping in, I guess. (laughs) Never worry when Superman is in the building. You got me covered, (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) Listen, I want to talk about this one because this is the first time in I don't know how many years we've been doing this show that you are still trying to figure it out. And it wasn't because I read it wrong. It wasn't because I didn't pronounce it right. We even spelled it. We Googled it. And we're still wondering exactly what this wonderful listener, also by the name of Jessica, is asking. So if, uh, Jessica, you can, you're listening and you want to help us with a follow-up text message, that's good. Jessica asked Jessica that she had a salad last night, and it had P-E-P-I-D-O-E-S. How would you pronounce that? Pepidios, Pepidios, tomatoes, and there's a question mark. Tomatoes. Tell me about these. So small, so delicious. That's from Joe in Penn Hills. Oh, he's asking. So it's not Jessica. It's Joe. So what about it? Joe is asking Jessica. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw two Jessicas there. (laughs) So I I don't know what type of tomatoes those are. They're nothing that I've ever heard of. But I'm wondering if they're pepidios. So Pepidews is a pepper. P e p p a d e w s is a brand name of these jarred little tiny red sweet peppers, and they're jarred in, in like an olive, uh, like an oily canning. Right? They're in a they're in a jar, and mm-hmm. um, and they're often on salads that you get in a restaurant. They'll just be like two or three Pepidews on the side. They're pretty coveted, I think. They're sort of like a fancy, right? Uh, and so I think that might be what Joe is talking about. But so, so Joe, if it was peppers, let us know because we're kind of struggling. We've never heard of that brand of tomatoes, but she has peppers. Right, so. and they look they look like little tiny cherry tomatoes because they're small and they're red and they're kind of round. Sometimes they stuff them with like a cheese or something like that. But a pepperdew is actually that jarred type of brand of peppers, sweet okay. peppers. Okay. Yeah. Um, when can I prune my Bradford pear tree? getting too tall, Mary. Okay. So Bradford pears are an interesting tree 
in that actually they're sort of on the um, on the no-go list for a lot of nurseries and a lot of folks anymore because uh, their branching structure is actually very weak. And just when Bradford pears get to be beautiful, they often crack or split open in the wind. So folks like Davy Tree and other arborists don't recommend planting Bradford pears anymore for that purpose. Um, and also they're actually quite invasive. The birds will eat the little, they don't have like a produce, like an edible pear for people, but they're little tiny, teeny pears and the birds will eat them and they spread their seed. And so they're actually on the um, noxious weed list, not in Pennsylvania, but in several states. So they're, they're no longer recommend to being, uh, recommend planting them. But if you do have to prune them, the dormant season is really the best. They do get things like fire blight and some other fungal um, diseases. So you do want to make sure that you prune them in the dormant season, which is the best time usually is in late February into early March uh, when there's no leaves on that tree. All right, Dollar Bank Instant Access. A couple of those, then we'll talk to Marion. If you have a question for Jessica, 866-391-1020. Where can I purchase a Japanese umbrella pine? They are so unique looking. They are very unique looking, and they're beautiful, but they're not uh, 100% hardy in some parts of our region. So make sure that you, if you're going to try it, plant it in a very, very sheltered area. I'm not sure that they have it, but I would talk to the folks at Plumline Nursery out in um, the Monroeville area uh, out east because I think that they have a great diversity of tree and shrub plant material and some more unusual things that you might not find elsewhere. So I check with them. All right. And by the way, 10th caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate to Janoski's in Clinton. That's 412-922-1020. All right. Another dollar bank instant access. Uh, this is from Suzanne. Is there a reason not to cut the flowers off a hosta? Uh, I did so yesterday uh, on one and it was hanging over the sidewalk when I did it. Is there a reason not to cut them off? Um, no, I mean I, I like the I love to see the bumblebees. They really enjoy the flowers, and so do many species of nocturnal moths because they have that really beautiful trumpet shape that moths really like, and the, the light colors. And a lot of them are actually very fragrant. Some people cut hosta flowers off just because you know they they grow their hostas for their foliage, and they don't really care for the flowers. So there's no reason that you would need to leave them on. When the flowers are spent, it is recommended that when they're done, you do cut them off because you don't want that plant to put energy into producing seed um, because growing hosta from seed is sort of a, a long process when it's easier just to divide them and get new plants. Uh, but, yeah, there's no reason why you wouldn't. It's not going to hurt the plant to cut them off. All right, let's go to the phones now and say hi to Marion. Marion, good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Good. Um, hi, Jessica. Um, I was just wondering if you know if there are any documentaries on, um, like, the decline of the insect population. I I'm asking because I was just listening to another show on NPR about um, a, a study they'd done in Germany over, like, 26 years, and the flying insect population had gone down by 26 or by three-quarters, I think, uh, percent. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring this up because this was a conversation that I was having this past week with some of my colleagues at this conference in Chicago. And I know exactly which study you're speaking about um, that took place. And actually, it started because um, I think that's the study that started because people were noticing less dead bugs on their windshield um, uh. when they drove on the roads. And I certainly remember looking at the grill on my dad's car when I was a little kid, and there were all sorts of insects that were crazy looking on the grill of his car after we'd take mm -hmm. a long drive. And nowadays, I could drive on the Pennsylvania Turnpike from here till Philadelphia, and I'd maybe have five 
bugs hit my windshield. And so, yeah, uh, do I know if there's any documentaries about that? I don't. Uh, if any of our listeners out there do know of any uh, that are, that we'd love to hear about it if anybody knows about them. Um, I think there's a bunch of podcasts and things out there um, by some folks uh, actually probably at the Chicago Field Museum and other uh, entomological facilities that might have some inform- more information about that. But, yeah, I know I know the study you're talking about is actually quite shocking, isn't it? Right, and they were saying once the bugs go, we go. I mean, you wrote yeah. that in your one book, I yeah. like that, but it it was, um, yeah, quite alarming to... Yeah, I mean, and people people think, ah, oh, they're just bugs. Yeah, they're just a nuisance. No, they're the reason that you're alive, pretty right. much. And I would say, you know what? If it weren't for bugs, we would be literally up to our necks in dead stuff and poop because mm-hmm. they, they're they the decomposers. They process the waste. They, you know, we never think of what happens to all the other insects when they die. Well, they're eaten by another insect and all that. It's all connected in this giant web. So, yeah, if, if anybody out there listening knows of a good documentary. I, I do love, it doesn't deal with uh, the decline in insect species, but it does deal with helping people to understand the insect world. There's a, a series uh, by the BBC that's called Life in the Undergrowth. Uh-huh. And it's a David Attenborough. It's narrated by David Attenborough. And it's all about the insect world. And it's some of the most incredible video footage. And he talks to different entomologists and what they're studying around the world and the diversity of insects. Um, and it's a great glimpse, um, and I don't know how many episodes are in that series, but it's life in the undergrowth. It's really fascinating. Thanks. And okay. do you know about, he he mentioned one, um, I guess it's an insecticide that goes in, the seed is treated with it, then it goes into the plant, so the, the bees or whatever that take the pollen or the nectar, get it into their system. Exactly. Yeah. So those are those are what are called systemic pesticides. And uh-huh. that they're often, you know, a lot of times you'll see like rose systemics or there's systemics for your lawn, the, the stuff people put on as grub control. Uh-huh. Uh, it's actually applied to the soil around the root zone of the plants and then it's absorbed into the plants. And then when the insects eat the eat that leaf that has the pesticide in its system, the insect dies, but that systemic pesticide is often also carried in the pollen and the nectar. So any of the foraging bees, beetles, wasps, you know, any insect that's going to feed on that pollen and nectar, which is a broad diversity of insects, is also going to consume that pesticide. And it's leading, you know, you think about, you know, you don't want to have grubs in your lawn, right? And you put down that systemic, it also then goes into the clover or other flowering plants or even in the trees that are growing in the lawn. And then any insect that forages on that nectar then is subjected to that. So it's, again, all connected. All right, short break. We'll come back. Lots more still to come with Jessica. This, of course, is the Organic Gardeners. And, of course, she will be here until 8. And then Heinz Ketchup Recipes with Joe and Frank on the Coons Cooking Hour. Heifer Intelligence, your money, and you. And then it's Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show at 11. Good morning. And we would like to welcome to the show Denise Schreiber, our Mrs. Know-It-All. She is a horticulturist, garden writer, and all-around garden goddess. Also fresh off the boat from Chicago and a great uh, trip there. Good morning, Denise. How are you? A little tired and now still working on Chicago time instead of Pittsburgh time. Yeah, at least it's one hour, just one hour time difference. When you go to the West Coast for these conferences, uh, man, do you pay when you get home, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, while, you know, our conference was there, we also were lucky enough to attend uh, the IGC show, which is the Independent Garden Center show. 
and I was looking at some of the new products they had there. One of the ones they had was really interesting. Um, for people who like to use worm compost but are kind of like, ooh, worms, yicky, there's a new one that you actually just, it's kind of like a, how can I describe it, maybe like a uh, lighthouse-shaped, uh, it's not that big, it's about three, about two foot tall, and you actually dig a hole, put it in there, put your compost in there, there's a lid on top, and the worms just, the worms just come in and feed and make lots of lovely worm compost, and you never have to touch them which is great for the people who have that fear of worms. Well, how do you harvest it? Is there, is there like a drawer or something on the bottom that you pull it out to harvest it? Uh, no, you just actually just lift the whole thing and move it around for the next year, or you can go in and dig it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and it's very lightweight, so it's not you know something heavier that you have to move around either. Uh, also, you know, for people that you know just have a small garden, it would be ideal too. You know that they could put it in there and put your plants all around it, so they'd be getting kind of a constant feed. Yeah, nice. I also loved. Um, I saw so many of those self-watering containers there that I really loved, where um, you know it has that water reservoir in the bottom, and you, you add water to the reservoir, and then you're not beholden to watering the container every single day. They were they were really cool too. Yeah, one of the ones I saw, and I actually uh, got one. It's a hanging basket, and I had bought these for work a couple of years ago, but they have smaller sizes now for homeowners. And what it is is it does have the water reservoir. This is for a hanging basket, and I know when people go away and they have hanging baskets, they come home to dead plants. Mm -hmm. So what this has is a water reservoir. It has an overflow valve, or not a valve, a, a space for the water to come on. It's probably about three inches deep, and they have two wicks that actually come up from the reservoir into the potting mix itself. And you can reuse this, but it allows the plant to, uh, roots to get water sooner than a lot of regular self-watering containers. You have to wait until the roots are deep enough mm -hmm. to actually reap that uh, extra water. This way they get constant uh, watering all the time. That's great. I love to see and hear about all the innovation going on in the horticultural industry with those products. And, of course, when you go to the IGC show and you see these cool products, you know that they are soon to be at an independent local garden center near you, which is also very exciting. So thanks so much, Denise, as always, all right, for let's joining us. Let's take another call. Let's go to Sandy in Mount Lebanon for Jessica today on the Organic Gardening Show. Go ahead, Sandy. Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Oh, good morning. Um, I had a question about my... Um, Crimson King maple tree, um, a lot of them in our area are having a problem with um, branches dying and leaves falling off uh, prematurely. Um, is there anything we can do to save the tree? Um, what is your suggestion for these types of problems? There, there's a lot of them in the area that this is happening to. Yeah, um, you know, it, it was sort of a, a weird year <laughs> weather-wise. And we had a lot of rain, and we still have a lot of rain, but we've also had some very dry periods in between the rain. And especially for newly planted trees, that, that can really lead to early coloring and early leaf drop. Um, and, and when that drought stress occurs, trees of all sorts, not just Crimson King, but will drop a certain percentage of their leaves sort of as a protective mechanism to keep themselves from, from really being damaged. So leaf drop is not automatically something to be worried about. However, the branch dieback 
could be cause for worry. There's several uh, root wilts that can, or vascular um, diseases that can affect Crimson King and other maples as well. So really what I would suggest that you do is have an our certified arborist, and I know the folks at Davy Tree do this and they do it for free, come out and have them assess the tree, take a look at it. They may take some tissue samples to confirm whether or not there's a pathogen um, present in that tree, and then they can recommend a course of action if there needs to be one, if something needs to happen to that tree. Um, you know, if it's happening to all of the trees in the area, it could just be a thing of, of you know, a sign and indicator of a drought period. But it is always best to have a certified arborist come out and take a look at the tree just to confirm things. All right. Thank you for the call. We are just about out of time. So uh, remind them about what Doug is doing next week. Yes. Next weekend is a very important day. Sunday, August 26th from 11 to 4. Doug and a lot of other folks will be at Phipps for the Tomato and Garlic Day. Uh, there's a great market going to be there uh, as well. If you bring some fresh produce or a donation for the food bank, you can get into the conservatory for free. We collect literally tons of produce for that. So it's very, very important. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to teach you how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. Have a good weekend and a great week. Thanks. You too. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.